On this week's episode of Discologist, Kevin and Eduardo are talking to Elise Okusami, also known as Indie Rock's Oceanator, about her album Nothing's Ever Fine, Big Guitars, Pondering Apocalypses, and more. I have been instructed to tell you that you are sure to enjoy it, but because I can't hear music, I can't really weigh in on if Elise's musical stylings are really your thing. I hope they are. And talking about the apocalypse sounds fun and is of great interest to me. For no particular reason. Anywho, it is time to get on with the show, so I'm going to turn you over to Eduardo and Kevin. Again, just like always. I love my job. Love it. Yeah. Bring it on. Keep going. Yeah. Let's hear let's hear it for yeah. Oceanator. Big episode. <laughs> no. Oh, there goes our marketing right. budget. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had to pay all of those people to make noise. We did. Um, yeah. Uh, we're, we get to continue what has been a really hot run of interviews today, Kevin. Um, yeah. We've had, right? Like this has been, this has been, a, this good. Has been as, as good a stretch as I've, as I've been here for. Um, on the, on the, you know, um, on the, uh, I think- on the tail. Is that the expression on the tail of why am I struggling with this? Why I am I suddenly like, like not what, remembering? What are, you, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Like, like right behind okay. Nabil and Brad Allen Williams, we yes. have a third great interview. Yeah. And I, I think those two interviews sort of after years of doing this changed the way I thought about interviews and actually, I think probably changed the course of this season. I think this one does yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be, because this one was, uh, Unexpected in a lot of ways. It's super fun. Yeah. Um, well, this is this is a band, you know. So so today we're going to talk to Elisa Kusami, um, who is the you know the sort of creative force person, multi, the Brooklyn-based multi-instrumentalist, as uh, um, her her uh, you know well-written press stuff will will tell you. Yeah. Um, Elisa is the uh, is the is you know is Oceanator, and this is a band that I have talked about on this show. Uh, I feel like half a dozen times or so because the, when I saw them opening for for Cheekface um, at Songbird uh, several months ago, that was that was a really kind of powerful live moment for me. And then right. friend of the show, former former Chunky Glassizer, uh Carrie and I got to see Oceanator at Comet Ping Pong um, uh, last fall, like last late fall, early winter, and that show was fantastic too. And it's just been in some ways, kind of a long time coming for this chat, but in other ways, like uh, this is kind of brand new uh, and, and exciting for us. Like we haven't really uh, been in the Oceanator space in the past. Yeah, yeah, ever. Like we, uh, you yeah. know, we we we've been talking to like people a little more behind the scenes too. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and Elise right. is like frontline, and she's going out and and doing these shows. I think what was fascinating about it to me was. Was was kind of how big of a, a guitar nerd she is. She is a huge guitar it. nerd. I knew it, yeah. but like it's so yeah. great to like talk to another guitar nerd. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. oh shit! Like we talking about baritone guitars in this for anybody who's excited about baritone <laughs> guitars, get ready to get excited. Yeah, if you've been waiting for that, um, yeah, and that and that great riff that is sort of like the structural element of the album, like the beam around which the album is built, yeah. is uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Elise builds her, you know, she 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 built her pedal on like an Instagram live stream uh, for the last tour and uh, was like answering questions from other guitar nerds for about, you know, 20, 25 minutes while uh, while like putting her pedal, her, uh, her pedal, pedal board, board together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. On a live stream. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned a lot. I, um, I, I know uh, we went into this, you're a bigger fan of the album than me. And that's simply because... Uh, it's a little more '90s oriented music, and that, yeah, this that, is not not so much not so much your wheelhouse. No, no, but now now it is. I can't stop listening yeah. to fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing's ever fine. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, so, yeah. uh, so that I mean, look, that's how it works for me. I don't know if it works for you. You, you, you talk to somebody about the art they create, and it it makes a connection. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then hopefully, like, people listen to this, they'll get that connection. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, it, 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 Oceanator has such, a, has such a direct sound. Like, I think, yeah. I think that's one of the things I really like about this band is that they sort of come at you honest. Um, you know, Elise comes at you straight. Um, you had a really interesting take on this. I think early on when, when we were still, like, you know, listening to the advance of this record, and I, I remember you you compared uh, this record to Partner, um, oh, yeah. which is which is a little you know uh, maybe maybe pertinent um, uh, for us maybe you know maybe not but but it has a really uh, like earnest direct rock vibe yeah that sometimes we don't get out of out of um, out of music these days yeah yeah it, it yeah. fucking rocks I think uh, Sadie Dupuis did the liner notes I think and she said this this album has riffs yeah uh, and Elisa's got riffs. After talking, yeah. I can say that Elise has just riffs. Yeah. Just like yeah. exuding. Um, I hope that's not gross. And, <laughs> well, don't. Well, it wasn't until you said that. But well, no, yeah. 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 Um, we got to talk about her baseball, her, her basketball career, too, which was one of my. Yeah. Um, uh, like that was like a day of interview discovery for me was that she had had this um, really like she was like the offensive centerpiece of uh of a uh of a basketball team and it was really fun to to like trot that out during the interview and have her respond yeah. should, should we just yeah. narrate the whole interview or should we, we should, should, we, we should. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a recap now and uh <laughs> yeah. no that's that's uh, let's get out of the way here and let's okay. let let's let elise do the talking all right Um, we are here today with um, Elise Okusami. We're really excited uh, to to have you here today, Elise. And um, you know, Kevin and I have been have been talking about nothing's ever fine for a little while now, and uh, really fun that this that this came together. Thanks for thanks for being here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. So for our, our listeners who aren't savvy enough, um, Elise is, is Oceanator. Uh, Oceanator is Elise. There's a transitive property there, maybe. <laughs> um, a band that I've seen as like as a trio and as a quartet, I think. Does it have, does it, is there like a definitive Oceanator uh, configuration for you? Or is it just kind of wherever the, you know, music and, and circumstances allow you to go? Uh, it's a little bit of the latter there with the, with the circumstances, um, in an ideal world, I would be a five piece. Um, okay. cause I want to have like two guitars at all times, but then also the keys and drums and bass. But, um, it's usually a trio because I think it works as a trio. It's really fun to do as a trio. We get to like 
play with sound to fill out space more. And also because then we can fit in smaller vehicles. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That saves saves money on tour. Yeah. 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 For for the two guitar sound, I mean, is that just because you want more to be going on? Um, Because you could just put like a second like phaser on it. (laughs) Just like make everything blow up. Uh, On Nothing's Ever Fine, there's like a lot of sections, like especially in beach days where there's like guitar solo, like dueling, you know, and and like harmonized guitar solos and stuff. And I want to, I like being able to have those things happen. Um, when we play as a trio, I just like, sometimes I'll play the lead part and sometimes I'll just leave it out depending on like what I think, you know, the song needs. We just, we don't play Beach Days as a trio though. Cause it's just like, it doesn't feel right to me. Um, but like for like the last summer, um, you know, I'll do the solo obviously I cannot do the solo but then right. like that section after that has like a, <laughs> that has like a lead line still but also like the you know the chords underneath I'll just do the chords there because like otherwise it's empty um, yeah as a as a sort of bigness of sound goes you know guitar the more you you fuck it up and the more you make it sound like it, the more cathartic it is <laughs> but but you're, you're also a drummer yeah um we, when you're doing this stuff, and, and I think we're going to talk about catharsis and songwriting a little later, but <laughs> as far as just pure instrumentally speaking, when you're when you're playing a guitar, which is more cathartic for you, like stepping on that like huge overdrive and just just blowing out the walls, or just literally banging on something? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess it depends on my mood. Um, if we're playing live, it's, it's, it's usually, well, I've been mostly playing, I haven't played drums live in a couple of years, I don't think, um, since I was like touring more regularly doing it. Um, but when we're playing live, when like, when we hit a point where like everything gets huge and I get to stomp on my giant fuzz pedal or whatever, you know, it's like, it feels, it feels great to do that for sure. Um. But then there's just some days where I'm like, I really want to go play the drums right now. And I'll put on my little drums playlist that I've made. And like doing that is like super fun to play along to like other people's stuff just at home with my headphones and play in. And then I'll start singing along really loud. And I'm sure everyone else in the house is, hates it. Probably sounds stupid. I can't hear my voice. So like, who knows how on pitch I am, you know, I got drums and headphones going, but it's fun. So, yeah. And and you're someone who, you know, you your guitar sound is really I think especially live is where it where it stood out to me as just being that was when the adjectives that get used a lot uh, to describe Oceanator's sound really hit me at the Comet Ping Pong show um, uh, mm-hmm. where it really was kind of sludgy and sort of, you know, just heavy, fuzzed out, grungy um, on on the rec on Nothing's Ever Fine in particular, though, I feel like I hear a little bit of like almost like a cleaner, like almost almost a glammy kind of sound in, in spots. Is that a, is that a total miss here on my part? No, I think, um, there's definitely some stuff that's not, not as heavy and fuzzy on, on that record. We used, um, like a little bit of a lighter overdrive on a lot of the songs, um, just to make it like a little clearer, I guess. So you can, and like some of them didn't really in their, in their album forms, didn't call for being like, so like heavy and, you know, fuzzed out but then like the energy of playing live makes them feel and that that comet show was especially fun because on that tour i i got to bring two amps just on my dream 
So I yeah. got, to, got to play out of two amps and uh, you're running really them in stereo. Uh, I'm just I'm just running them. They're not like stereo stereo. Right, I guess. right. Just through it. They're, just both on. Just, just both on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And like, um, nice. you know, one's a, one's a hot rod and one's a blues deluxe. So they got like a similar, but slight, just different enough tone that they like sound real nice together. Um, the blues deluxe is a little warmer and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was reading something where you were talking about uh, a show where, uh, people in the audience were, you looked out and they were waving and oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Right. And, and <laughs> does, does that do you think doing something like that like affects that space that can like sort of force people into like, well, I'm here, I'm feeling all this vibration. And then all of a sudden you open, you say something that like hits you in the heart and you're like, Oh my God. And then all of a sudden you got them. Yeah. I don't, I, that show was so much fun. That was at, um, Mr. Smalls in, uh, in Pittsburgh, um, I think is the one. And yeah, it's just like, it's that fun little like feedback loop, you know, where like, you hit the audience in the right way and then they do something and then like that hits you and like it just keeps amping up the show. Um, so those those moments are just like part of, I mean, even when I'm in the audience seeing a show, like those moments are like what makes going to a live concert so, so exciting and like invigorating. So you're a Montgomery County kid? Yeah. Is the, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but when, when my when my family came to the States, we moved to, we moved to Rockville. Um, I was oh, in like the 10th grade. Yeah. So I kind of got to experience suburban Maryland coming Did you go in. to Richard Montgomery or? I did go to Richard Montgomery. Um, <laughs> nice. yeah, the Rockets go Rockets. Um, yeah. and, uh, which is funny because I graduated, uh, the same year as Joe, uh, Lappin who owns Songbird here. Oh, so, cool. so part of the story of like the first time I saw you guys was I had tickets to see cheek face and I had something else going on that night. And I texted Joe to be like, is there an opener tonight? And should I try to make it there early? And he replied like an all caps. Yes. You want to oh. see, you want to see the opener tonight. And that was like October That's, of 21. I want to say. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And David, David, uh, Combs was playing in the band. Big, big yeah. DC guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think you already had a couple of the nothings ever fine. I feel like I heard one or two tracks off of nothings ever fine at that show. Is that possible? Probably. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, I think we might've been playing like the last summer already. Um, maybe Bad Brain Days. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, I know we were playing some of those before. Okay. Before the record, yeah. Last Summer is the one that I think stands out because I think, because is it possible that, I guess maybe just because there's a DC tie, I thought I might be misremembering that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go on record. Yeah. I feel like that one would make sense, but I'm also like slightly confused time-wise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like that makes sense, especially because David's on things on that one on the record too. So, okay. um, yeah, I feel like, a, why wouldn't we have played it? I think it was written by that. So I think, I suspect this probably happens to you a lot, which is at that, at that show at Songbird, um, you played, I would find you. And I was, I was like super into the set. And then that song came and I was like, I just couldn't do anything else. I couldn't think of anything else. I remember talking to you afterward and being like, you know, that song is a banger and you must get that <laughs> like from a dozen dudes every night, I'm sure. Well, the thing is, we don't, I think that might have been the only tour we played that song on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, because it's usually a three-piece and I haven't found a way to do it as a three-piece that I'm happy with. Um, 
We played it a couple times on the Jeff door because Zach from um, Slaughter Beach Dog would come out and play keys on it. And so that was like nice. But yeah, yeah you usually yeah. don't, we usually don't play it. I also wrote that song in 2012. So wow. I'm over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, but, um, but sometimes I, but no, it is, it is. Say, how like, do you relate to that now? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I also, I, I don't know if this is weird, but every once in a while it'll like come on and I'll be like, this is a good song. I, <laughs> I did a good job like, here. Yeah, um, yeah I'm like, uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased with this. Um, yeah, that, that's another reason why ideally it will be a five piece someday so I can put that in the set and like feel good and happy about playing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what was the, you know, going back to like 2012 and earlier, when, when were you writing songs or, or picking up a guitar and really were like, yeah, this is, this is for me. I think this is what I'm going to do because I find people, especially if you choose it as a career, it's a very odd choice for anybody, <laughs> for anybody who's a musician. And, and it's just like, and, but then you do it, like you kind of have to. Yeah. Like you, you, you're just like, well, done. Like, I know what I'm doing. Um, when I was nine, I picked up the guitar and was like, okay, I'm either doing this and wow. being just like Billy Joe from Green Day. <laughs> oh, Green Day. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I'm going to be a professional basketball player because I played basketball and mm -hmm. they told me that I was going to grow to be over six feet probably because of the rest of my family. Um, I'm five, five and a half. So <laughs> that did not happen. But yeah, pretty early. I, I, you know, I started writing songs. I mean, I started writing songs like right when I started playing guitar, but I didn't start writing like actual songs that sounded like things until like maybe 11 or 12. And yeah, probably around then is when like the first like things that you could call a song started coming together. But it's what I wanted to do from from then, so and, you know. and do you think those like hold up? Maybe not necessarily to your standards of, of you now, twenty twenty three you, but I mean, you know, you, when there's a difference between just like spitting out stuff, like "Hey, I wrote a song," or like literally sitting down and being like, "Oh, I'm gonna work at this. I'm gonna write this song." And do I think? Do you think like that work would hold up now? Um. Maybe not those very earliest ones, although I did I did just record um, <laughs> record one of them that I've just had been dragging along. And I was like, oh, this is a fun punk song. I actually might do something with this. Not as Oceanator, probably. But um, but we put out in high school, I was in a band with my brother and uh, my friend David. And we did two records um, between like, well, I think the first one we did in eighth grade um, and recorded it ourselves that both David and my brother were like already into recording at that point. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the songs are like pretty decent, you know, still like they're not the greatest songs in the world, obviously, but they're not like terrible, you know, like they're kind of fun to listen to. And so, some things take a long time to cook. Like, like yeah. once you, my experience just creating anything is once you start like outputting, once you start being like, I'm just going to put this out. It never is like, or very rarely is perfect when it comes out. Totally. And yeah. then it's a decision like, well, what the hell do I do with this? <laughs> and stuff can sit around forever. And you just make, and like you said, you just like, oh, I remember that was a fun punk song. And maybe you back then didn't know quite what to do with it because you didn't have the tools. But now it's like, oh, 
I totally know what this means. <laughs> yeah, totally. And even like, I mean, with I Would Find You, like, as an example, like recorded, wrote that in 2012 and then just dragged it along because I kept being like, it's not it's not right for this record or it's not ready. It's not fully ready yet. And then 2020 is when I was like, yeah, it's ready. <laughs> you know, so I think I think there's a something to be said for continually working on stuff and, and making them like come together. But also like sometimes you just got to be like, this is done. It like this is capturing this moment and it's done. And like I might change it later. There's some songs that we play differently live because I like after playing them all these times, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if we did this here. We should have done this but or whatever. But then it's like a fun thing to do live that's different. Um, but yeah. Well, and then and then the, t- the timing becomes a factor, too, because, um, you know, the the all of the press around things I never said is is really focused on the idea that gosh, Elise wrote these songs, you know, a couple years ago and had no idea they would be released into what we're going to feel like the end times. Yeah. Um, Like, did that, was that, did you feel any sort of pressure to like (laughs) predict the future and nothing's ever fine? And uh, yeah. And did anything turn out to be fine? I feel like, I feel like nothing is still ever fine. No, nothing's (laughs) still. (laughs) No, Um, no, I didn't really feel pressure in that sense because um I don't know. I didn't predict the future on the first one. You know what I mean? It's a, so I just kind of, you know, it's got some similar themes as things I never said, I think. And, uh, just kind of writing about what I was thinking about. Um, and, uh, yeah, nothing's ever fine is a thing I say a lot. (laughs) Just when people say it's going to be fine, I always just yell, no, it's not going to be fine. Nothing's ever fine, which is quote from Empire Records. Yeah. Um, well, and you, so, yeah, when I was trying to name the record, I sent over my friend a bunch of names that I was thinking of. And um, I was like, I can't, I can't decide. I'm freaking out. And she she said, it's going to be fine. I was like, nothing's ever fine. I was like, oh, ig- ignore that list. Record <laughs> names. <laughs> Delete all those other things. So. Well, you just mentioned your your brother and... Mm. Um, uh, I know he, he shows up a lot on, you know, on recordings. I think, I think you, he has like a studio, which is where you tend to work mm-hmm. and, and you guys just cut a cover of uh, long December by the counting crows. Yeah. Was it, was that, I haven't heard this. yeah, it's really, it's <laughs> Kevin, I haven't mentioned this to you because it was like, you know, December was, was a, December can be a hard month. And, uh, mm. Yes. Um, but uh, was that just a preemptive move in case anything turned out to be fine? You could just be like, nope, here's another sad thing to keep <laughs> to keep things from becoming fine. No, I I don't know. I like that song a lot. Yeah. Um, Counting Crows and Wallflowers was the first concert that I chose to go to as a oh, kid. Wow. So, uh, so I've been living with that song for a while, you know, and, uh, I as just, have we all. Yeah, 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 totally. And I just had this, I don't know. I just kind of had this idea for, I was like, it would be cool to put some slide guitar on this. Maybe Adam will do it. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah. I just texted my brother and was like, can we record this when I come home for Christmas? And he was like, yep. So it was funny to do that. And it was also funny to me to have only played drums on that version yeah. and nothing else. <laughs> And singing, obviously, but like um, Adam Meisterhands, who plays now in Slaughter Beach Dog and plays with a bunch of other people, played all, all the guitars. And he sent over, I asked him to play slide guitar and he sent over three different guitar things. I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to use all these. They're perfect. It's like, I don't need to play anything now. Um, so that was really fun to to do. When you When you cover a song like that, 
does or any cover song does your relationship to that song like change because i mean like, all of us have a relationship to that song <laughs> yeah. like you know but not everybody is like you know what i'm gonna go in the studio and do this <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> really figure out what makes this thing tick yeah um I don't know if it changes so much because usually I don't do a cover unless it's something I've been like hearing and thinking about a lot. Um, and like I'm really already very into the song as a song, you know, and so it's not I usually don't do one. that's just like I hear a song I'm like that's cool. I want to cover it or whatever. Um, so I think a lot of the times. I'm already kind of in that headspace when I go in to do it, so it doesn't change. I mean, the original still has all the same, like, emotional power or whatever that it always did. Um, and then once I do my version, I'm kind of like, cool, okay, but I don't listen to mine. I listen to the original, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, oh, that'd be fantastic if you were just like, hold up, guys, got to take a break. Yeah. I got to listen to my Long December. <laughs> <laughs> I like... But, uh, let's put on Long December, not Counting yeah. Crows version, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me. No, no, this, this version. I don't know who sang it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to touch on, you know, the predicting, like, bad things, <laughs> the, ap the apocalyptic nature of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and when you write about that type of stuff, is it, much like the, the guitar and stuff, is it, like, a reaction to anxiety or just general like being in the world, <laughs> um, and and does that provide catharsis? Is it kind of like a put up a nice barrier between stuff that you maybe don't necessarily that and all of us deal with that we don't we really I just can't I don't want to look at that right now. Uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of the time it's a those songs start with like something real or like a situation or just like general anxiety and then kind of build out into more of a like a full-on story because that way I can kind of like distance from it a little bit um and that that makes it kind of a cathartic like solar flares is uh is like you know about it tells like a little story and um something I've always gravitated towards in like movies and and literature also is like those kind of apocalyptic tales so I'm kind of building my own little 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 worlds of those. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you what you thought of Moonfall, but you know, <laughs> I have, I have no. Oh my god, I'm a big fan of uh, apocalypse movies, especially like the worse the better, because <laughs> as, as as ridiculous as they get, you're like, oh yeah, I, I, meteor fallen on the planet, and like Gerard Butler saving his family. Oh, is that what Moonfall is? No, that's a different oh, okay. one. That, that's Greenland. But you should see Greenland, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but that's what it is. And it's literally yeah. like, how do we get from New York to Greenland oh. before the world blows up? Right. No spoilers. But Yeah, don't yeah. tell me. I probably will watch that. That sounds like something I would like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like. Have you ever read that book, Everything Matters, by uh, Ron Curry Jr.? It's I have also, not. It's also about a comet um end of the world situation okay but the premise is like um the main character knows from the time he's born exactly when and how the world's oh, Jesus. gonna end and then he has to like live his life with that knowledge um mm. and so then it's like does anything you do matter because you already know whatever so i don't know i i think about that book a lot is is that why that stuff is is entertaining? You think because it's it's like waiting to, 
to like think seriously about things and to like, well, we're out of time. We're fucked. <laughs> like, like, I guess I should really think about this now. What, what, what does everything mean? Yeah. Um, I think that, and I also think it's just like a lot of the times it can take just a, a, like an everyday situation that you might be in, in your real life and put it in this like super dramatic context, which just makes it like easier to think about and more interesting to think about. But they're still just dealing with a lot of like regular life relationships, day to day stuff, um, just in a like more dramatized, like melodramatic world. Um, yeah. It's a thing I like about Lana Del Rey a lot, actually, too, is that everything's so over the top in a lot of the songs. Um, like and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it just makes it like easier to think about in a way too because it's like not as it's still like a little bit fantasy or whatever but you're but it's you not, saw it it's not abstract it's yeah. not abstract that way like i used to tell people during the pandemic i said you know if instead of it was a virus it was like 15 foot tall praying mantises <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like yeah but we would we would take everybody would take care of it like oh shit yeah existential threat <laughs> yeah it's very clear it's outside it just stabbed bob so I guess I guess we got to do something about this. Right. And you would soundtrack it. Yeah. yeah. I would make a end of the world grasshopper movie. I might be too freaked out because that would really scare me. I'm not a big bug. Bugs and lobsters. But cicadas show up on Nothing's Ever Fine. And they really lend a little bit of poignancy, I think, to the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. That was Brood X. Yeah. 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 Um. I luckily got out of town right before Brudex like was really crazy. Okay. But I was there 17 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so upsetting. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> they were just like, they just land on you and like crash into your body all the time. And it really freaked me out a lot. But I do like the sound of them. And I thought that this, the sound was cool. So yeah, Michael actually, since I, I was planning to go out and get those recordings on my own, but I had to go back to New York. So my, my Michael, my brother got those recordings like went out into the woods and recorded those cicadas well on the on the like apocalyptic kind of theme um i kept having this thought uh last summer when the cicadas were out or summer before uh which is just that like at some point the cicadas aren't like brood x won't come out right like imagine if in like 16 years there's just like there's no brood x and you'd be like holy shit we're really we've done we've broken the world so irreparably right that like we don't even get the comfort of that obnoxious uh, phenomenon that mm-hmm. keeps us inside mm-hmm. for months at a time. Yeah, that that would probably be worse to experience <laughs> them not when you're when they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's a little like 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 that. That sort of left you know you know the the way that plays in the album um, kind of leaves me a little bit with a feeling of like there's a sense of continuity and there's a sense of um, you know not that you know there's a sense that that uh, good times and good things are are possible. Um, but uh-huh. even, even where they show up on your record, like on the front hat, like I think on the, on the morning section, uh, of, of, of the record, you know, there's, there's, there's beach days, there's, um, last summer. And those songs are almost like unambiguously positive. Yeah. There's a little sweet sadness around the corners there, but they're, but they're like, they're like, they're happy songs, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I think last summer is like pretty much all happy it's just like a nostalgia fest you know yeah. like uh actual like it was fun making that video too because my actual friends that i was talking about in that all came out oh, from cool. high school like uh like every um 
Justin, who you see in the end with like the leather jacket, is that's the jacket he wore in high school. <laughs> and we played in a thrash punk band together and stuff. Um, and Nick, who's playing drums, used to play in that band with us. And then also like the Max Levine Ensemble and everything. Um, so, yeah, that one I feel like is just a straight for me. It's just happy. Um, and then Beach Days is mostly happy. I couldn't help but put that one line in there about <laughs> the riptide or the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the riptide. And also like this. is Oh, now I'm of course forgetting the line to my own song. But the one that's about like when the world ends is I want to be sitting on the beach with all my friends or whatever. Yeah, that's um, right. But yeah, I was kind of thinking that the first half of the record being kind of like morning, optimistic, things are good. It's like the beginning of the day or the beginning of like a time period, not necessarily just one day, you know? Yeah. And so like, and then when we flip to evening, I mean, flip to, what do I call it? Post-meridian. Post-meridian, yeah. 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 Clarity. I named it afternoon. I was like, I already have a song named afternoon. Crap. <laughs> um, so change it to post-meridian, but um, well, yeah, that's when it you... starts going a little downhill. Yeah. And by the time you're there, I mean, it's I think on like I feel like on bad brain days, you know, you're really, you know, the character in the song is really just bargaining for a good day, which is sort of the point of of beach days. And right. That like, hey, like when you have a good day, just just take it. No questions asked yeah. right, and enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. 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 Did you, yeah, did you know when did that structure sort of like when did you know that you were going to structure the record that way and and that you were going to build it around that guitar line that shows up on, you know, it shows up three times that right it shows up at the beginning uh-huh. middle and end mm-hmm. um i got a baritone guitar um and when i got that guitar i took it it came to my dad's house so i didn't get to play it at first and so the day i got there because i was like i'm always scared to get big things shipped here because if i'm not home like who knows what's going to happen you know um, yeah. in new york um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, so anyway, I, I went down and I took that guitar out of the case and I wrote that riff and then I wrote the regular part of the chords for evening and I wrote stuck in like an hour and cause I was just so excited wow. about having this new guitar Yeah. and then like, and I voice memoed all those things and then went to sleep and then when I woke up, I was like, Oh, that's the motif of the record. So I think that was, uh, it might have only been, it was either, when did, did I record this record? 2021 or 20, 2021, it must have been. It's 2023 now. Yes. I recorded that in 2021. I think, I think Notice, I wrote, notice that none of us answered you. We were like, we think it's yeah. 2023, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out on a limb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember if I wrote that song. I know that I wrote it in the winter and I'm trying to remember if that was a few months before the record or a year and a few months before we recorded the record. But either way, those were some of the the last things I did um, was that stuff. And then, okay, to be more clear, those were some of the last ideas that I had, like, because nothing was like fully finished yet. And then once I knew that, that's when I finished building out the rest of the world of the record. Um, So like last summer was like, didn't have a chorus, but it had the verse riff and like uh, Bad Brain Days had all its chords, but no structure and all that's the kind of stuff like that. Um, uh, oh, Solar Flares actually was written at the same time as Stuck and everything. Um, but so once I had those, I was like those three marking points where I knew I was going to end it with Evening with the riff and I knew I wanted to open it with the riff. And then I couldn't decide the reason that 
Post Meridian came around as I couldn't decide if I wanted it to be in six, eight or seven, eight. And I was like, oh, I'll just do both and have <laughs> it be in the middle. And that one's like the seven, eight one's a little more stressful because seven, eight is slightly more weird. You don't hear it as often, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, that, so when I had those kind of like anchors of the record is when I was like finished up the other songs that I thought fit in the, the world of that, like the ones that when I listened to the little demos or snippets that I had been working on, I'm like this one, I'm going to put this one on the record and so I'll finish this up or whatever. Um, so that's a long, long-winded way of answering your question. Bro- broadly, broadly speaking, when you, when you sit down to write a song, are you, do you lean more towards you hear the music or maybe it's the song minus lyrics like in your head more or are you like focused on like I have this story how do I make it into a song as opposed to like just writing an essay um the first one I'm mostly I'm almost always like music first um and usually like a lot of songs come out just because I'm just like playing the guitar just like farting around doing whatever and I'll be like, oh, I liked that. Like, what was that? And then, so sometimes, like, when I start playing a- along on a thing that I like, some words and, like, moods will come to mind. So I'll sing, like, a like a, a line or two that may or may not make it into the song, um, but, but, like, set the mood. But, yeah, usually, usually once the song is, like, more coming close to being done is when, like, the words start coming out. Hey, me. And you mentioned you use voice memos a lot because I, I, I think I think that's, such an important tool for people because you don't, I mean, the old cliche is that you never know when it'll hit you, like, or things yeah. come from dreams, but like the second you don't get it down, you're never getting that back. It's gone forever. Like, yeah. It is gone. <laughs> but if you put it down and, and I mean, even like, even sometimes if you play something like you're like, all right, I'm playing it, I'm doing it. And then day later you'd be like, what the fuck did I just play? Like, mm-hmm. If it's not down so you can hear it, there's something weird that happens in your brain that you just forget it. But once it is down, all of a sudden it triggers like all these weird memories of you're like, yeah, I, I didn't even know I was thinking about that. But <laughs> it's like, OK, yeah. this is this is what it sounds like. Um, yeah, I like to I like to do it like like even if I don't have any words, just like sing whatever's in my head and then sometimes go back and like transcribe what like nonsense I was saying on the voice memo too. And that's yeah. like a fun way of like, of like getting some lyrics or like lyrical ideas going. How, how, how did you find that uh, baritone guitar? Because I, I, I found that a lot of people like who play guitar, they're like, they get one. They're like, Oh, this is, this is rad. Yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> right? my, that right? was my reaction. Basically. I'd been wanting one for a long, a long time. And uh, just like, would play them at the store and be like, oh my God, I want one of these so badly. So when I finally got mine, I have a Reverend. Um, I really like it because it's all, it feels still like a guitar. It's not like, it doesn't right. have the super long neck. Um, it feels like a guitar with like fatter strings, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, I love it. Even just hitting that open open B chord. Ugh, I'm putting it in drop A sometimes and just feeling that like, the low and, and it's, it sounds bit. so much different than like just simple things like that than like regular stuff it's it's kind of like the reverse of like nashville tuning where you mm-hmm. tune the the bottom it, where that has a, and and the, it, it it's like a weird tonality um a timber to it that t- it just completely changes the nature of the instrument yeah 
Yeah. And like, you know, it's not for every song, but it's it's for a lot of songs. And like even some of the songs that like, like last summer has a baritone guitar on it, but I mostly play the regular guitar when we play it live because the solo and all the other parts I need to do. Right, but like, right, 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 right. It's fun. It's fun to play it, play it low like that and get to get to feel it just feels it feels different. Definitely gives a different like emotion to it, I think. Well, another another kind of fun little stretch on the record, I think, is the is the sequence of uh, stuck to from the van where, you know, stuck ends with the speaker just kind of right determined to, you know, I, I just I just have to get out of here. And then from the van is like, is that like a be careful what you wish for kind of thing? Or was that was there just sort of a fun idea of just like, well, the you know, this this character really wants to get out of here. OK, well, now you're on the road and nothing feels real. <laughs> um yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't put that together. From the Van uh is one of those songs that just the whole thing came together in an afternoon. Um I didn't have a baritone guitar at that point. I tuned a guitar down to C standard was the lowest it would go and stay sort of in tune in tune enough to record a demo. Um I had the idea for that riff and then I and then I wrote the song and then I was like, well, while I'm here, I'll put some drums and bass on it. And then I was like, well, since it's almost done, I might as well write the words. So that song <laughs> from from beginning to end took five hours writing, demoing, recording it. And then I the only thing we changed for the record is I actually took a little section out of it that I'm going to use as the chorus of a new song for, for the new record. Um Nice. And I go back and forth about that decision because it would have been kind of cool for it to be there as a little Easter egg or whatever and then come back in the next record. But also I think it's it. the song's better without it there. I don't know. But yeah, no, I didn't I didn't really put that together thematically. But now that you say it, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I was I, I recently this this will make sense in a second. I recently switched my like default search engine to DuckDuckGo in an attempt to like create some semblance of digital privacy and owning your uh -huh. own data, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and um and it's fun because it gives you like a different version of the internet, right? Your search results are sort of like if you know the algorithm had never learned what you really meant. And uh -huh. um and so you mentioned playing basketball earlier. So so what I learned via DuckDuckGo is that if you if you put in your name and some other random noun. Uh, what comes up is this thrilling account of your uh, the season finale when as a senior that you had this was like it was like a top ten result and I was like oh my god Elise played basketball like she <laughs> she had eighteen points in this game and went to the line like thirteen times I think was that the, in the Washington Post it was in it's this is from Vassar Athletics oh yeah. I had 18 points in that game. Yeah, um, it says here. Yeah, yeah. You guys won um, 56 to 49. You came from behind. Uh, Carolyn Crampton nailed uh -huh. like a clutch three pointer, uh -huh. uh, and then you took the lead at that point and never gave it back. And it mentions that you were just relentless in, in getting to the hoop. You shot 11 of 13 from the line. Oh yes. Yeah. I remember this game because our um, our four words are four and five the the tall ones mm -hmm. um had some foul trouble so i was playing four even though i was the second shortest on the team Ooh. but i was strong short lineup so, that's like that's like the lineup of death or something yeah we yeah. were we were short um yeah. so i was uh i was i mean yeah i was i was playing yeah. down in the post guarding one of their top forwards so uh so don't look at your defensive stats for that game is what you're saying 
No, she had four points. I fucking killed it. Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> damn. All hustle. My coach was, yeah, my coach was just like, don't let her get the ball. If she gets the ball, just stand straight up and don't foul her. So it was just like I, annoying. I was just annoying because I was like, no. I was like, you're not touching the ball because I know that if you get it, you're way taller than me. Yeah. She was like six feet or something. And, um, you were, and you were like a one or a two? I was you usually, okay? yeah, I was a one all through high school. And then in college, I was mostly a two and three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like 50, like, like I just had this moment of just like, it, it was a little bit surreal to be reading about what you were doing in 2008, knowing that like we were yeah. about to talk. So how do you, like, is there some, is there some way in which you can bridge, uh, you know, you can like the way you think about who you were in 2008 and what you were doing at that point, like what would, this is kind of a corny question, but like, what would that Elise have thought about, you know, the fact that you're. I don't know. You're like a few weeks away from a European tour. You've, you've played coast to coast. Like what, like, like those 15 years, a lot has happened, right? Yeah. It's uh it's also funny because this past week, a injury from, uh, 2008 recurred, um, from a rugby game actually. Um, so oh. I've been thinking about 15 years ago a bunch cause I'm <laughs> like, I can't believe this is happening again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess she'd be stoked because like, you know, I, I, one of my majors in college was music also. So I was like, still like, those are my two things or like music yeah. and sports. Um, and, uh, I think this is kind of, you know, uh, just, it was just like a wee little dream at that point. Um, I was just making my very first record. I made a little solo record under my name. That's, floating around out there that I have mixed feelings about but like you know I was just starting to do the like the the music thing more not even more seriously because like I said we were playing shows and like doing um and making those records in in high school but I guess starting to think about it more is like okay college is almost over so now I'm I need to like do this you know what I mean like figure out how I'm going to make this work. Um, so yeah, I think younger me would be, would be pretty stoked. How, I mean, did, how do you feel about like, have you made it work? Like it, given, I mean, this is, this is like given, this is more like, where is, cause you have DIY roots, uh, but you're on polyvinyl now, which is mm -hmm. you know DIY label, but also it's a label. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, what, Especially after the past few years, like where does music like this uh, and more DIY stuff sit in the larger like culture? Like, I guess whatever its chances now. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I, I have no idea. Right? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, like, I think it's harder than ever to make a living as a musician, um, for sure. And um I don't know. It's a little bit scary, you know, because it's because it's so hard. Um, I think we're going to lose a lot of great or like never know a lot of great music that could have been made because people aren't going to be able to afford to do it. Um, or it'll and, shrink you know, back to smaller scenes. Like yeah, you, you, you won't sure. hear about, which is a weird thing to say because we have the Internet. But like there, there's stuff going on that even the Internet doesn't catch. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, and uh and that's, I mean, like, people are still going to, you know, I'm I'm still going to do it and people are still going to make music 
no matter what. But um, it is unfortunate that like it's so hard to do it as as a job um, because it does take up so like in a good way. It takes up so much of your time and it's hard to have like a full time job and still have the energy to be creative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I like I have always and my job went away at the beginning of the pandemic because it was event planning and catering <laughs> and all that stuff went away. Um, but, uh, you know, but I've always, I was always working in between tours and stuff. And, uh, then during pandemic, like was lucky enough to get to just do music for a couple of years and, uh, just started my new job Monday, <laughs> my new restaurant job. So, uh, you know, oh, try yeah. to balance those things so I can just keep, keep making songs. Cause I love making songs. And, and so you can go out to Europe for like five weeks or something like that in April. Yeah. 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 I'm very, I'm also very lucky because I have a lot of restaurant friends uh -huh. um, from working in restaurants for like the last 10 years or whatever. So my friend just opened a new spot and he was like, do you want to work here before you leave for tour? I was like, yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> and I will come back also, but I will be gone for five weeks. <laughs> and are, you, are, you, are you working like front of house or back of house? On this one, I'm doing, I'm, I'm serving. Nice. Yeah. Nice. House. Yeah. I, I've known a lot of people who, and, and working in restaurants is a way a lot of musicians make their money, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it is like, there's a difference, I think, between interacting with the public every day that can give you a lot of ideas, but then you have to have the energy to actually use that information that you took in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Versus like working in the back, which is different ideas, but it's it's just a very different vibe. Yeah. Um, but very much like music making. To go from like being like a line cook to like say going into a studio, it's not that different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing I liked about doing, I've done, I've done both. And I um, the thing I like about back of house stuff is you just go back there and you just hang out with your friends all day and, or whatever. Hopefully, hopefully you like your coworkers <laughs> and you guys hang out and you listen to music and stuff. And, you know, you don't have to worry so much about like being on in a certain way, you know, because talking to talking to strangers all day takes a lot out of you, I think, or a lot, a lot out of me. I'm a bit introverted. Um, but I also am glad that I started as like I got my first restaurant job right out of college when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I just needed a job, <laughs> you know, to, um, to live. And, uh, I'm glad that I did it because it really helped me to get over some of the, or not get over, but like deal with some of the anxiety I had in talking to do you, find, do you find it to be the same anxiety? Like on stage, do you like have that anxiety or do you, uh, or is it a different type of anxiety? It's a different type, I think, because I can, I can always like not, I can just not talk if I want to, you know, I can just be like, let's just play the songs. I don't want to say anything right now. Um, and it's also like, it's not a conversation. I don't know. It feels, it feels different. Um, and people paid, paid to see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like, oh, you're um, here because you wanted to be. So. Yeah, 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 totally. And like, you know, um, I don't know, it is different. And I'm doing the thing that I like, you know, and sometimes I like serve and that's fun too. Like working in a restaurant is, it can be really fun, but it can also be like, obviously exhausting and frustrating. 
Um, just like anything, I guess. I, I was going to say, we have a good friend, uh, Sean Barna, and he just got on Kill Rock Stars. Mm, and, cool. But he has a master's from Georgetown. He was doing like political mailing stuff, and that was his job. He's worked yeah. a bunch of weird, like, like square jobs like that yeah but then he's not working that and he's just bartending Mm -hmm. and to hear him talk about like what he gets from each of those things but also how he's just like i just want to make music (laughs) but this is the this is but this is the only this is the only way i can make music is like if i if i do this um you uh you speaking of studios coming from a diy background uh do you prefer to still work like with minimal gear? And I say minimal as in like there's obviously a level up from what just somebody starting out is going to be using uh-huh. um, or to actually just go into a studio and be like, it, we're going to do it, use the best of the best or the best studio that we can get in. Um, I like doing both. It's funny. I'm actually just right before this conversation with someone about that because I'm I'm like scheduling and figuring out the new record um right now it's like mostly written um I like doing both I think it depends on the project um I think certain songs benefit from having that huge world of um sounds and equipment to play with to like really build out like a huge world with them and some songs don't need it or like feel better just in like a you know small just like use what you have kind of vibe um so yeah i don't know i i just like making making songs so like um i having i haven't done anything too too i mean the last record we did half of it um at uh 38 north in false church yeah, yeah with with Bartiz. um and and my brother and my friend Andrew who played drums on I think everything but one song if I remember correctly on the record um it was just the four of us and Andrew was only there for two days Andrew was such a trooper he he came down we had two days of of rehearsal me and him because just together in my in the basement he ripped all his drums in a day and a half and then that second that last night he got on the train to go back to New York because he had to go back to work. Um, so he really killed it. But uh, yeah, that was that was cool to get to be in that studio for some time. Um, I think the next two are going to be in studios. Um, I just went and visited um, a studio out in L.A. when I was out there that was really cool. And Elliot Smith's old studio. Oh, wow. So uh, I got to do something yeah, there, obviously, so, uh, because yeah, yeah, I obviously. love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then we did another song. Me and when I was out in LA, me and Greg from from Cheekface wrote a song that we recorded, like some of it in his practice space. And then the, we just did the drums at home in my brother's studio. So like, you know, just kind of whatever works. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think I think that studio question was was Kevin trying to get a stealth uh, Albini versus Steely Dan uh, paradise. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. But <laughs> I have no opinion on that. Fair. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Um, when it comes to your, you know, talking about your sort of your stage persona, um, and that, that sort of the nature of performance, uh, how do you, is there a story you tell yourself about your singing? Like, is there a way you think about it or is there an approach that, that you have to it? Because you seem, you seem exceedingly confident as a singer, maybe not exceedingly, um, but you seem, but you seem yeah. confident in your own voice in a way that I've seen a lot of singers not be. 
Um, that's great because I don't feel confident. Um, I'm always worried about it, especially in places when you can't hear your voice as well, you know, which happens yeah. a lot. Not as much in some of the shows we've been playing recently because we've been playing places with better monitors, you know, but like a lot of times, you know, a, a lot of shows you can't hear your voice singing so well, but I like singing. I think it's fun. I've been doing it forever. Um, I used to, well, I still, a lot of the time, like if I'm driving, we'll put on Jesus Christ Superstar and sing along and act yeah. out all the parts. And like, so I don't know. I think it's, I just think it's fun to do and it feels good to do. So I don't really tell, have to tell myself anything so much as I'm like, yeah, I get to go do this thing now, I guess. That kind of answers one of my one big questions about singing because I, when I started to really think about it, like it's it's such a weird way to express yourself, uh -huh. but it's so universally understood by everybody. Like people are just gonna, you're just gonna do it. Like so, yeah. like like and and it's built in. But if you think about like what you're actually doing, is like like why wouldn't you just say that? It's like the meeting could have been an email. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I know it. It's, it feels different. Um, I think there's. There's a couple good songs that I am now completely blanking on. I know one of them is a David Bazan song where he talks about can't say the feeling or whatever, but I can put it in this song. There's like a couple songs about that that I really like. And I don't know, something about it's just different. Something, you know, being able to sing about it versus talk about it is like somehow there's like a, a I don't know, there's like a wall. There's it does make it feel magical there's, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's just so what, great. <laughs> well, it's it's. I'm 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 glad I'm glad you think so because because we like your music. Uh, <laughs> Thank I, you. Yeah. So you have so um, so you're you're hitting the road with La Dispute and Pool Kids. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it looks like there's a really good, really good sort of. I was just checking out your tour dates um, and immediately messaged a friend of mine in Bristol who. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know Bristol. I. I uh, like, but everyone tells me it's like the best place to be in the United Kingdom. I've been there two times, both for shows uh -huh. and had such a great time. Um, okay. Luckily, and like actually this last time I went was extra cool because the this kid Todd was driving me around for, for my last, my little UK tour in August, um, which is also funny to think about just being in this industry where like uh, this guy I met one time over Zoom picked me up at the airport and then drove me around for a week and we were like sharing hotels every night, you know, like, <laughs> and at the end he was like, what, what, like, did you ever worry if I was going to be like a murderer? And I was like, not really. Like it would be insane if that's what, <laughs> if you weren't, you know, but, um, but he had lived, gone to school and lived there. So like he took me around to like all his favorite like coffee shops and stuff, which was really cool. And everything is so much older over there too, which is cool, you know? It's like yeah. old buildings and stuff. And I was a also a history major, so I like that kind of stuff. Um and yeah, Bristol is amazing. I'm I'm very excited to go back to Bristol. Um Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um did you know, as we kind of um we're at the hour mark here as we could kind of widen things down a little bit, did you have any did you know Camp Cope were gonna break up? Does did that catch you as off guard as it did the rest of us? <laughs> I, I did not know. And it was also, I, it was kind of funny because I had tweeted 
I was tweeting about how music is great and Tomo was like, said Tomo and John were both being like, oh, whatever, you know, like being contrarians or whatever on the internet. Yeah. And I was like, I'm never touring with you guys again. And then the next day they <laughs> announced it. God. I texted Tomo, I was like, I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I didn't know. I was, I was surprised, but, um, you know, I think good for them for making what I'm sure is the right decision for themselves and yeah. to handle it like the way they did the band, you know, on their own terms. So I'm sure we'll, but they'll be doing other music stuff and I'm excited to see what else they do in the future. And they're all great humans. And Kelly's baby is so cute, unrelated, but <laughs> that's one of the cutest babies Aww. I've seen. Yeah. Um, I know Kevin has an important Radiohead question that he doesn't want, oh, do I? No. <laughs> want us to get out without asking. Okay. Uh, do you have opinions about uh, no, Pablo? Uh, what? <laughs> is that it the was, question? What, no, it's what is your favorite Radiohead album? And if it isn't Pablo Honey, what are we really doing here? Uh, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing about Radiohead for me. Ah. I don't listen to them. Yay! Um, I'm so in support of this position. I, I, I do. I do love radio, but yes, thank yeah. you. I have. I have. So my my brother got really into them. He still is really into them. Um, and so I have five of their records or something. Yeah. Um. But and I like some of the songs. I really, honestly, I like that song just a lot. Yeah. Which I think is on the band. It's on the bends, yeah. 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 I like that song a lot. I like those good, that guitar part is really fun to play, especially right, that right, like right. riff at the end. Um, and I like that music video. Yeah. But that's about it. I haven't really, and I mean, right. it's not like, yeah, I'm not anti. I just. No, that's fantastic. It just that's doesn't fantastic. grab me. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we had long, long discussions about uh, the band and it's something that like at this point, like somebody like me doesn't, I don't, I don't take that shit seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, I saw them on the Pablo Honey Tour. It's great. And now I'm old. I'm old they're old. We're fine. But what, what's, what are the songs on Pablo? What What are the big songs on well, that Crepe one? Well, Crepe is on Pablo Honey. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a great song, uh, Everyone Can Play Guitar. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. And and then uh, I think Blowout is the final whispering. Track. Stop whispering on it. It's just, okay. it's just, a, it's just a lot of hits. And in yeah. the, in the, and, and maybe we'll have you back on a panel to talk about this, like the general like music discourse and the toxicity <laughs> of it. But like people will literally be like, well, I like the, I like Kid A or I like OK Computer, but like this album's shit. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, Radiohead fans, first yeah. of all, it, it, it upsets them if you like Pablo Honey it because does. they would rather really? not be reminded that there was a time when this was just a band. You know, like I saw them. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them opening for Belly on that tour at Richie Richie Coliseum here in College Park. Um, OK. And it, but but it's really upsetting to people that there was a time when like it's, it's sort of like, you know, thinking back to like when U2 was just a band and when they weren't like a global right. thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we, we have a lot of Radiohead loving friends who uh, are always like, like, it's not okay that we like that record to them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I can't speak to that as a, as a person who doesn't know their records. That well. um, but I also think like, you know, I don't think bands should make, I think they should just make whatever they want to make. Yeah. And, if you don't like one of their records, like 
that's okay. You can listen to the other ones, you know? Not everything's for everybody. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think and it should everything. be like an argument, you know? Like, we're not all going to like the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good way to land this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, cool. here. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, Elise. This is really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. I didn't even realize it had been an hour already. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> can't wait to see you guys again on the road. Yeah, we hopefully will. Um, there's, I got an email recently. There's possibly some East Coast dates coming. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, but I don't come, know for sure yet. <laughs> come to Milwaukee. Someday. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, getting getting all that touring and album recording stuff sure. in the calendar. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, well, thanks again for your time and and uh, to all of our listeners, go see Oceanator on the road. You won't you won't regret it. Yeah, come see me. That was that was our chat with uh, Elisa Kusami. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't think we oversold that. Um, I think we I think we gave people uh, some idea of what to expect. But this was this was this was a really good chat. Yeah, and and also, I think getting inside, we we touched on like she's a working musician, and by that I mean she has a job beyond, yeah, beyond a musician, and and that's yeah. the, that's the reality. I, I put out a question on our Twitter. Uh, feed and maybe Instagram, maybe TikTok. No, we don't have TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I saw, I saw yeah, it on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, you say on Facebook. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't think I follow us on TikTok. If we're on TikTok, we're going to be on TikTok. It's all going to be cat dates. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but I put out this this question that basically uh, said, you know, I- is there a line um, about what that an artist has to cross where they're considered uh, a real artist? You know, versus like. Uh, and I, I hate this word, hobbyist. Uh, yeah. But like in, in the role of technology played, it's a, it's a deeper, we're probably going to have a show about this. I'm thinking a couple of guests to come on and talk about this. But but th- that can be like in talking to her, that's kind of why I thought this up because you don't think, especially the younger you are, I think you don't think somebody like Elise has to have a job. Yeah. That's not rock and roll, but that that's that's the reality. And so it's 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 even more wonderful that she can find the time and the energy to create what she has, uh, doing like what the rest of us schmoes are doing. Yeah, yeah. No, and she's probably like I assume she's also like great at her like job job in oh, addition yeah. to being in, in addition to being like a tremendous artist and all that. Yeah. And um, and of course you know shout out to I think. When I saw your post earlier, I, I, I did see Ian, Ian Taranji's answer, which I thought is pretty spot on, right? Which is that if you make art, you're an artist. Yeah. Um, but but uh, anyway, um, yeah. Oceanator, if you haven't seen them live, you really you really should like like just go do that. Just like yep. don't hesitate. If they're in your town, 
go see them live. Um, they're in in Europe for our Across the Pond fans. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, if, I'll, uh, our, our our Belgian peeps out we'll, there, we'll tweet out some show notes and I'll put them in the yeah. or tweet out some show notes. We'll, we'll the tour dates, but I'll put them in the show notes. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think anybody reads them, like you said, but that's okay. They're there. They are they there. So when you need when you need them, when they're there. That's the key. That's the key. We're here when you need us. That's that's how an on demand society works. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I know. I know. We have another a few other interviews lined up. And uh, yeah. Any? Do they, you want to? Um, we've teased a couple of those. Do you want to? Uh, no, because nothing's locked. Okay. <laughs> no. All yeah. right. I can tell you, I mean, look, you yeah. can tell who you want to talk to, but like there's some, you yeah. know, uh, look, people have, people work, people have jobs, all of us doing yep. this. This is not, this is not some like magic free time. We're not lounging by the pool and like the other artist, the artist is like, well, just I'm by the pool too. Why don't we chat? Like that's, that's not, that's not how any of this works. The, uh, the virtual pool. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I will say next episode, uh, I'm super excited that we're talking about Lonnie Holly's new album that's coming out. Um, Hey, if you heard myth uh, and were impressed, just man, get ready to get blown away by this. This is just what 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 an American treasure that man is. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, I'll have I'll have I'll have more to say when we uh, when uh, we get to that episode. Yeah, yeah, it's coming great. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I guess we'll let everybody yeah. go. Yeah, out. Hope, hope you got hope you guys uh, enjoyed that as much as we did. Yeah. yeah. Unlock the door, Unlock the door. <laughs> oh, oh, for people to leave. Yeah. 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 Our captive audience, all okay. the people cheering at the start, they were actually clamoring to be released. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Guys, you guys can go now. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that turned dark. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'm talking to the AI. Yeah, that's right. Have you, have you been paying attention to what's going on with that? Um, it's the, the AI is, um, a little, uh, well, seems a little more seems a little more self directed. We have to we have to come to terms with if we're mistreating it. It doesn't get to hear the music we're listening to. Yeah, it kind of has to do what we say. I, I mean, it. it I mean, it is a tool, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and not a. Yeah, this looks yeah. bad for me, a middle aged white dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, neither, neither, neither of us get to survive in movies, uh, <laughs> <if>, um, <laughs> like, like yeah, we're both, we're films. both, yeah, 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 yeah. That, we're both, we're both, we're both, yeah, that's, good. <laughs> that's right, that's, that's right, good. and, and, and appropriately most of her music takes place, a lot of her music takes, takes place in this sort of like post-apocalyptic, uh, sci-fi dystopia anyway, so. Yeah, we're so doomed, uh, so, so yeah. you, you guys enjoy <laughs> the apocalypse and, uh, we'll be back as, as long as we can. We hope. Is, we hope so. Is that good? If they yeah. if they let us come back. Oh shit! This is getting. Go home, everybody. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye.